me, hello friends, and welcome to this message which is specially handpicked to minister to you and to bless you. I am Pastor Lincoln Seranga, Senior Pastor here at Liberty Christian Fellowship in London. My passion is the pursuit of 100% answered prayer. If that sounds like a good subject to you, why don't you follow me at lincolnseranga.com and also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media where you will be able to find other messages as well as find access to short courses, coaching opportunities, and more. God bless you as you listen to this message. I want to speak on the mystery of miracles. The mystery of miracles. I have spoken this word before, but you know how it is. We forget everything in 24 hours. <laughs> but also, uh, we need to hear a matter several times. And so even as I was reading through these notes and changing them for tonight, I was blessed myself. So what blesses me, I hope will bless you. The mystery of miracles. And may God bless uh, the, the preaching of his word. Now, I want to start by making the point. There's something mysterious about the supernatural, something mysterious about miracles, which is why we who believe for them sometimes become overwhelmed. It's like, what's this thing? Last time I was in financial need, I did this and this and something happened. Now this is not happening. I had somebody prayed and somebody was laid hands on and something happened for them. Why is it not happening for me? And the whole area becomes quite mysterious. There is a mysteriousness about the supernatural. And uh, that is where the conversation begins. And then people take different directions <laughs> after that realization that the, the miraculous can be mysterious. And so, what shall we do? What shall we do when the miraculous becomes mysterious? And so, I want to, uh, to uh, deal with, with that element. And I want to demystify the debate. Because some time ago, we, we had a sit-down debate with a, a group of ministers who were becoming increasingly persuaded against the supernatural and becoming overwhelmed and settling for what I call safe Christianity. Safe Christianity where you believe your sins are washed away and you are on your way to heaven and God is sovereign. Whatever happens, happens. Whatever <laughs> whatever will be, will be. Let us just be thankful as long as we make it to heaven, that's fine. And uh, uh, moving away from the pressing in that Paul talks about, moving away from the Matthew 11 bid, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and violent people take it. So in the life of, um, of this kind of what I call lazy Christianity, the woman with the issue of blood stays home. She doesn't come out to press through the crowd saying, I know, I believe somehow, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, something may happen to me. That woman stays home 
and surrender to the sovereignty of God. In this kind of lazy Christianity, Bartimaeus sits quietly and allows Jesus to walk past. He says, well, if it is God's will, he will turn <laughs> and he will notice me in my plight and he will heal me. Instead, Bartimaeus screams and shouts and upsets everybody. Yeah. So where is sovereignty here? Where's the sovereignty of God? And Jesus asks him, what do you want, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? He says, Lord, I want to be made whole. In this kind of Christianity, the Syrophoenician woman goes home when Jesus says to her, I cannot take the children's bread and give it to dogs. She gets up and walks off crying, saying, well, I tried, but according to God, I am a dog. I do not deserve <laughs> the miracle that I was believing God for. Instead, that woman presses on and contends with Jesus until she downloads a miracle. I hope you are hearing me, friends. Uh, at LCF, our culture is not one that refuses to try. We have tried the resurrection of the dead, and then we've buried them. <laughs> we have prayed for our sick to be healed, and some have been, some have not. But we pray again. Amen. But there are principles that we want to share and embrace so that we don't do it brainlessly. We don't do it without principle. We don't do it without a sense of understanding. Number one, the miraculous is quite mysterious. We start there. So does mystery mean that that's the end of the argument? I want to bring my first scripture to you. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 2. Um, uh, let's get that on. Proverbs 25 and verse 2. Uh, um, um, nothing happening. It's a different verse showing up here. It is, um, it is um, something in Exodus showing up. Okay, uh, we, we're having uh, connectivity challenges here and different verses are showing up. Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter <laughs> and the honor of kings to seek it out. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to seek it out. Uh, what does this say to us? Uh, somehow, the issues of God's glory are not on public display. Miracles do not drop on your lap. Um, miracles are part of God's hidden agenda for his people. They are not hidden from us. Rather, they are hidden for us. So the glory of God is always revealed. And that's what you see in scripture. Reveal is a ta-da moment. Because they are concealed in hiddenness. Yeah, and this is the reality. Uh, sometimes in extraordinary moves of God, um, miracles will pop up everywhere, but it still is because the glory of God is being revealed. But it is not common for people to just find miracles to pick up all day long when they have not pursued them or sought them. So you find in scripture that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and it is the honor of kings to seek it out, to seek out matters. So our kingship, the Bible says, 
uh, Christ has made us kings and priests in his kingdom. And kings seek out matters. And God hides matters. I'm going to try again and see if I can get that verse showing. Sorry. Whoops. Okay, let's try again here and see. Um, it's still not showing up. Uh, try again. Let's see if that verse will show up. No, nothing's showing for some reason. It's just... Okay, there we go. I thought I saw it there. Let us try one more time. I think we are getting there. Okay, there it is. Perfect. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. So, I want to make an important statement. God is both fully revealed and completely hidden. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting scenario that God is hidden yet fully revealed. It's somewhere in there is the mystery of our walk that he is invisible yet he can be experienced. He is obscure and vivid at the same time. Hallelujah. He is a mystery and a knowledge at the same time. He is revealed, as somebody put it, he is revealed in hiddenness and hidden in his revelation. I don't remember who made that powerful statement. That God is revealed in hiddenness and hidden in his revelation. And that's so much like every miracle. As you're believing God for something, you feel like, God, I don't know what's going on yet inside of me. I feel like I know it's, uh, it's something I actually preached a sermon. I talked about uncertain certainty. You feel persuaded. Like that man who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's like Peter stepping out of the boat. Persuaded, yet doubtful. <laughs> Legs shaking. But saying, I'm going to make a move and try to believe God for a miracle. God, my friends, is, is challenging us to abandon certain certainty. And to embrace a, a culture that is persuaded by the invisible. Mm? And that is drawn by the imperceptible. And we want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I want to tell you that that woman with the issue of blood was so persuaded. But in these persuasions, and I tell you as somebody who has stood in the presence of God and seen some incredible miracles that you never completely write off a sense of not feeling certain about exactly what you are doing, yet being completely persuaded. Hmm. I want to leave that matter right there. <laughs> I will not leave the ways of the Lord to complete mystery. We should not become, feel that our honor of God is to accept a sense of, oh, it's all up to him. It is him who decides. In fact, as we have seen over time, and I've repeated several times here, when you wait for everything to be revealed by God, you will get little because some things are off the radar of revelation. If you are waiting for a prophet to tell you everything that will happen for you, you'll only get a fraction because some things are never revealed to the prophets. And we have rehearsed again and again the miracle of the healing of Ezekiah was not revealed to Isaiah. It had to be dug up 
by Hezekiah himself. So sometimes when you are seeking God, you will not as such get an express word fully revealed. You may need to dig into the verses and into the scriptures and knock and knock and knock until the door is open. Let's speed on for time's sake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, moving on. We're talking about busting this whole thing of how mysterious the miraculous is. Romans 11.33. Again, some people argue. You see, his ways are not our ways. Mm? Surrender to him. Especially when our prayers are not answered. We sometimes walk up, hmm, you see, it is God's will. I think we sometimes over-attribute God's will on matters, which we should just say we don't know what happened there. And let us not be quick to think that just because something did not happen, it means it's not God's will. Hmm? Hmm. So, are God's ways searchable? Should we search for, for his ways on the, on the depth of the riches, or the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God? How unsearchable are his judgments? And his ways past finding out. Romans 11.33. Again, this was part of our debate when we were debating this. All God's ways are unsearchable. You can't know. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Mm-hmm. Or who has first given to him? Or who has first given to him? And it shall be repaid to him. For in him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Um, that, that verse again underlines the unsearchability of the things of God. Hmm? But you see, his ways are past searching. And that's what some theological belief is. Forget it. You can't know. It is up to God. Just do your part and leave it. Hmm? Yet, The Bible says, Psalm 103 and verse 7. Remember, we have just read the ways of God are past searching. But now Psalm 103 verse 7 says, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. He made his ways known to Moses. Moses knew the ways of God. And Israel knew his acts. And this is the challenge. That the one who knows the ways creates the miracles and the one who knows the acts just waits to consume them. And God is challenging us to learn to step into his ways that are unsearchable. These unsearchable ways must be sought. And we seek to stand where angels fear to tread because that is the invitation of God. God wants us to learn his ways. And you see, children don't know the way. They're just no destination. Have you ever been in a car with the children and you tell them, I'm taking you to the circus? And you're driving far or to a park. And they're saying, are we yet there? That's all they want. Are we yet there? Are we there yet? Is more the, the rendering. Are we there yet? They are just destination-minded. But... A grown-up knows the way to the destination. The way to the destination. Now, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am 
the life. The path is Christ. The journey is Christ. The way is Jesus. The truth that we need is Christ. And the life that we are looking for is Christ. By the way, those three are a summary of all human need. Any miracle you are praying for either is an answer to the question, what is the way? Or what is the truth? Or where do I find life? How can my life be better? How can I know where to go, what to do? Where, the, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am all three. I am the one stop. I'm the one stop shop where all human need is met and addressed. Hallelujah. So we pursue to know his ways, not to just be mystified and just sit there and say, we don't understand. And I bring you another verse, which I'm sure you remember. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 to 13. Uh, and this reconciles everything that we've been discussing, the mystery of it. Have you ever believed for a miracle and the panic that you ensues when you think, what do I do? What do I do? And it's almost like the belief for a miracle creates an unsettlement, a stirring, an uncertainty, a discomfort. And you know, people who believe in miracles can live a fairly uncomfortable life <laughs> because it's so much easier not to believe and to just put your gear in neutral and to say, you know what? Let's just sail along, you know? When we believe in miracles, we, uns we unsettle our lives. Like, like I said, Bartimaeus is taking a risk. Poor Peter is taking a risk by stepping out of the boat. That woman with the issue of blood is taking a risk to push through the crowd. I would rather experience the disturbance of faith than enjoy the tranquility of unbelief. I would rather hang, as I said, on the cliff of expectation with the tip of my fingers than sit down in a couch that uh, seduces me into spiritual compromise and slumber. So I'm, I'm charging you on. I don't know who I'm stirring up out there. I'm stirring you. I'm stirring you, friends. I'm stirring you. When Esther went into the presence of the king, she said to Mordecai, pray for me and fast, but I'm going to go into the chambers of the king. And if I perish, I perish. Come collect my body. <laughs> if the king kills me for entering his chamber when I'm not in invited, it was worth the journey. Come collect my body and give me a decent burial. But I will not sit on the seat of compromise and prayerlessness and faithlessness and hopelessness just because the journey is difficult. We will believe for our children. We will believe for our marriages. We will believe for our finances. We will believe for our churches. We will believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will not be intimidated. We will not be sent back home empty-handed. If you find me dead, you'll find me dead with my hand lifted up to God in petition saying, God of heaven and earth, will you come and rescue your people? Will you stretch forth your hand and do a new work in our days? That is who we are. That is what we shall be. We step out 
by the grace of God. Now God help us as we step out. Because even if I'm sinking, Jesus will I'll cry out, Jesus help me. I was just trying to get to you. I'm just trying out. At the moment, some of us are stretched through the core. We've put everything on the line. It's too late to give up. We've given up too much already. And so our faith is in God who delivers us and he helps us. I was reading 1 Corinthians, wasn't I? Chapter 2 um, and verse 9 to 13. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Let's pause right there. It has not come to my perception. The things that God has prepared to me cannot be perceived through the senses. It's not about reading an encyclopedia or opening Google and Googling the things that are in the world, houses and cars, they are all out there. But you see, what belongs to me comes by revelation, not by Google, not by Google. You see a house on Google, but you need to see a house in the presence of God. Mm. It is so easy to merely humanly want things. But the Bible says the things that God ordained for Lincoln to receive, eye has not seen them, ear has not heard them, neither have they entered my understanding. These things, what has happened to them? God has prepared. It doesn't say God is preparing or God will prepare. They are finished realities. They are prepared. They are prepared for those who love him. From the time that I was conceived in God, they were finished in God. God helped me to preach tonight. I have a sermon from here to heaven and back. But no baby is born empty-handed. Zoe, you are not born empty-handed. Pastor T, you are not born empty-handed. Tina, you are not born empty-handed. Agnes, all of us are born with a storehouse and a cord of supply from God, the things that God has prepared for us, they are not journaled somewhere. Your auntie won't show them to you. These are things that are in God. And the verse, next verse tells us, but God has revealed them to us. It is God, not Google, who has revealed. It is God who convinces you in your spirit, man, that in this world full of competition and, and difficulties and scarcities and inflations and and, and, and all kinds of difficulties. God persuades you in the inner man that there are these things that are ordained for you. And your spirit witnesses in your innermost man that something belongs to you. And my friend, I want to license you in Jesus' name. I want to give you permission to be yourself and to contend for what you feel in your innermost man is licensed to you. If you perish, perish. If you die, die. But your duty is to believe them and to believe God for them and to contend for them. If you get tired, rest and then come back. <laughs> and then come back. What shall we do? We are called believers. We're not called part-time believers. We are believers. We are believers. We are walking by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Our grandfather Abraham was called to give birth at a time when he was past birth. So what shall we argue? When the root of our covenant 
is a barren man and a barren woman. And God calls them into the area of their weakness. Oh my God, and can I now go to the doctor to find out my possibilities? Thank you, doctor, but after I've heard you, I need to open my eyes to heaven and my heart to heaven and seek for things that cannot be revealed by encyclopedias or consultants because they are whispered into the heart of the believer by the voice of God and the voice of the Spirit tells you this is what I want you to contend for. But you see, friends, as we shall see, these things require a journey and a path. For it is God who reveals them by his spirit. Now look, the spirit searches all things. There's Google instead of, uh, <laughs> there's a spirit who, instead of Google. You, you are hitting Google, but the spirit is, is, is heaven's Googler. The spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. The spirit of God is a search engine. For what man knows, what man knows the things uh, of man, of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Paul is making a case. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? Why have we received the Holy Spirit? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. I need to sell out right there. The Holy Spirit was not given to me that I may pray in tongues all night. That is not the end goal. I may pray in tongues all night, but the Spirit is there to persuade me concerning the works of God that are ordained for me to manifest in the earth. I will say that again. The Holy Spirit was given to me not to give me goosebumps, but to persuade me and to reveal to me stage by stage, month by month, week by week, year by year, the things which God has ordained for me to manifest into the visible realm. Jesus, help me preach. Jesus, help me preach. That is 1 Corinthians 9, 13. And you see, let's continue there. It has a couple more verses. How many verses did I show there? Where did we stop? We stopped on 12. The things that have been freely, the Bible says, freely given to us. Freely given to us. You can never purchase what God has ordained for you. You can never purchase by gold, by silver, by giving, by fasting. No. <laughs> when we do these things, we are not purchasing. We are just aligning. We are just activating. Mm? We are just activating the Christ nature so that we may download what belongs uh, to us to manifest that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Verse 13. And he says, these things we also speak. <laughs> huh? We speak. They don't just stay in the imaginary. They come out of our mouth, not in words which are taught in human wisdom. Hmm? Not in words which human wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I want to stop right there. You see, it's the Spirit who gives these utterances. And you speak a sentence and you say, my God, did I just say that? Where did that come from? You can't start a course on how to speak. Huh? Or give people a list. You know, it's good when somebody gives you a list of confessions. But my friends, those are of limited value. You need to know when God puts a sentence on your tongue. As when that woman said 
that even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall off the table that was taught of the Spirit to her. And when Jesus hears those words, he says to her, Woman, great is thy faith. Go home and receive your miracle. If only I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. That sentence was given by the Spirit to that woman to speak. Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him to you. As, and he shall be in your house the rest of his, uh, of, of, of his days. The, the prayer of Hannah. Taught by the Spirit. These things are mysterious. There is no journal. There is no book you can buy which will have a list of what you should say. <laughs> oh, yes, I know there is some profit when you learn and, and puppet what other people have said. But guys, we are going to pray this February. We're going to believe until those sentences form in our inner man. We're going to worship until a sentence forms. Come on. I don't worship until a sentence forms. My God, I remember Pastor Tony telling us, I don't know which year that was, when threats had been made over his uh, family land. And you know how you put something on the side and you say, I don't want to die. But one time in the midst of a sermon or a worship scenario, he stood on his feet and he felt his spirit was speaking concerning that property. And the rest is history. May God form sentences in your soul, taught not by man, taught not by a preacher, but written inside your spirit man by the Holy Spirit himself, that you may download the things that God has ordained for you. And these words are not taught by human beings, but by the spirit, comparing spiritual things with spiritual it says. Now, there's a translation which changes that a little better. I think it's called the English uh, version. Um, it says, we impart these, these words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, my wife will tell you, when you sit, we sat in debate with a group of people, and they had no perception of spiritual realities. And what you say goes over their head. It's just They have never understood what it means when Paul says, I pray for you that you may receive the spirit of understanding and revelation in the knowledge of God. When people have not stepped into that realm, the Bible is just a script for basic Christianity instead of a doorway into the spectacular. May God give us access to revelation that opens the supernatural. Okay, Jesus, help me. I need to speed up right now. My God, my God, this message will be online if you need to hear it again. I just feel like I'm pouring a lot of stuff on top of each other. So I want to remind you, for me, this, I'm going to tell you the truth. As somebody who has seen the miraculous here and there, and I want more. And I'm saying, Lord, 2022, I deserve compensation. We deserve compensation for the years of the locust. Months that have gone to waste. Opportunities that have been missed. In fact, for some of us, from the time we come to Christ, we have been robbed by the evil one. We've been lied to. And we have wasted a lot of time. May the God of mercy compensate us, not because we deserve it, but because of Christ and the penalty that he paid 
Oh my God, may we not stand before him and find the storehouses of heaven are full of miracles that he paid for with blood for us to receive. I contend for my sister. I contend for my brother that what is stored in heavenly places for you will be downloaded by the grace of God. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to, show, I want to share several keys with you concerning demystifying the, 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 the miraculous. I want to tell you honestly, because what God is doing for us in these end times is to demystify the miraculous so that we can begin to enjoy them more regularly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me reduce. <laughs> I'm realizing my iPad is screaming, saying battery low. Number one, in the making of miracles, in the demystifying of miracles, principle number one is the principle of the grace of God. The principle of the grace of God. I want you to understand. I want you to understand. No miracle happens by sheer human exertion. No miracle happens by sheer human exertion. And I want you to understand the grace of God today. People misunderstand the grace of God. They mean it. Mean, they think it means sitting around while God does it all. No, 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 no. You misunderstand the grace of God. The grace of God is wider and deeper and higher than that. Listen. What I found, you do not start a miracle. You do not start any. <laughs> and we've seen it in the scriptures. Right there. You do not start any miracle. Miracles are not started by men. They are started by God. And let me tell you, friends, we are sitting under a canopy of the miraculous. They, if our eyes would open, they are dangling like a nest, a, a, a nest above our heads. And I want to show you in the scriptures. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 8. We're explaining here how... Everything begins in God. Everything, my friend, begins in God. Your wedding is in God. Your healing is in God. The children you'll bear are in Christ. They are in Him. All things were made in Him. And for Him. And by Him. Everything begins in God. Ephesians 2 verse 8. And you see, once you get saved, you have opened the doorway into that sphere of the grace of God and its provisions. The first entrance is salvation, the beautiful gift of salvation. And this is what Paul says concerning people who are saved. By grace, you have been saved. <laughs> huh? Through faith. You had a part to play. Now some people say, no, no, you have no part to play. When God chooses to save you, he will save you whether you believe or not, or he will just sweep you into the kingdom. He elected you. No, 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 my friends. There is a human part to play, but it is not foundational. It does not start with the human part. It starts with the divine. God writes a sentence in heaven timelessly. Before the earth was, God wrote of you and me. The Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the earth. In that statement is every provision for every need on earth. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. That's the point. It is not your fabrication. Come on. It is not your, your fabrication. It is not your, 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 your manufacturing. It's not your, your, your orchestration. This thing is not of yourself. Come on. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God, my friend. It is the gift of God. And salvation was hanging over my head until age 19. Salvation was hanging over the head of my mother until her late. Oh, what, what year was she? What year did my, wife, my mother find the Lord? I think she was in her late 40s. <laughs> salvation was there all along, gifted of God. She could not fabricate it, but she had to discover it. And she had to faith it and then download it. It is not something you work for. You cannot boast about it because the root of it is divine. Yet the substantiation of it is human. The root is of God. Yet the receiving of it is human. But after you receive it, you cannot boast and say, look what I achieved. You did not achieve it because it was achieved for you and stored for you to receive, to reach out and receive. It's not of works. And so, as we step into Miracle Month, we are not going to work the miracles ourselves. It is not in our human fabrication. They are in queue. Come on! There are miracles ordained for Fiona to perform. They were put in place before the world began. Yeah, let's read that and find it. Not of works that anyone should boast. Next one. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It, we are his workmanship. So God worked me. And the word workmanship there is the weaving of a fabric, like a fabric is intricately weaved thread upon thread, thread inside, up and down, and orchestration. I am a workmanship. God put me and stitched me together in Christ. <laughs> huh? Now, this is the amazing thing because, you see, Christ Jesus, uh, we need to see him, and this is the point I've been making. Christ Jesus is not just the son of Mary. He is the, he is the architect of the universe. He's the, he's the reality of life. So all things were made in him. Uh, we were all created in him for good works, not for suffering. We were created in him, not for pain. We were created in him to manifest something beautiful in the universe. Oh, I declare that over you, Asha. You were created to bring forth something beautiful. You were created, Rosemary, to manifest something am amazing. And we call them miracles, but God calls them good works. He says, that that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. You need to do that. He calls even calls them works. Hmm? <laughs> you, you go and you do something and God says, that's a good work. Uh, but you see, you didn't start it. I started it before you. And I workmanshiped you so that you can manifest it. And so for some people, there's a different one. You, one, dif one person has a different workmanship. Another one has a different workmanship. Another one has a different workmanship. We have different workmanships created in Christ for good works. Which ones? Which God prepared beforehand. And ours is to walk in them. In the name of Jesus, I declare this February 
that as you learn to worship and to have extended times, and we're going there, in the presence of God, your workmanship will be activated in Christ. Your workmanship will become activated in Christ so that the things that must be manifested by you may be manifested. 2022 may it be a month, a year of manifestation. May February become the trigger point in which things that were ordained for you to do, you will do. Walk through doors that you were ordained to walk through. Step into signs and wonders and become stuff that you were supposed to become. In fact, some of us, uh, Satan is so threatened by what God uh, ordained you to be, you are completely opposite. Uh, And so, uh, when you are ordained for greatness, Satan wants to sabotage you with smallness from the day you were born. When God created you to talk, Satan wants you to shut up the rest of your life. Jesus, Jesus, isn't it a mystery that the mother of nations was barren? And I'm talking about Sarah. Isn't it amazing that the mother of nations was barren? Isn't it amazing that when she finally gives birth to Isaac, Isaac marries Rebekah and Rebekah is barren? Because they were ordained to create a nation, they were victimized by barrenness. Come on. In the name of Jesus, may God turn things upside down. May God open the barren womb and cause it to bring forth multiple children. May God take us who are poor and make us stewards of millions for the glory of his name. I hope you're hearing me, God's people. I'm preaching free. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Thank you, Jesus. The grace of God, my friend. It's the grace of God. The grace of God which makes you passionate about something and someone is not. But that's you. And so Paul talks about this grace. Grace, my friend, is an activation uh, substance. It's, it's not something for lazy people. It's not, it's not about hiding your sins. This grace of God is about making sure you are not trying on your own. That there's someone running ahead of you. He has run ahead of you. He has elected you. He has finished you before he has begun you. Eh? And that's what distinguishes Cain and Abel. That's what distinguishes Saul and David. We have talked about these things again and again. When you find the river of God, now you are in grace. Let me tell you, this river flows from eternity past. And you just come in time and you manifest and you now must find that river for yourself. And you know you are in it when you come to Christ. And you know you are in it when you receive the Holy Spirit. And you, the more you walk in that river, the more, the deeper it becomes, the further it opens up. It takes you into the things. When you are in your grace, there is acceleration. When you step out of your grace, you come into the flesh and you struggle and you become bitter. And you become angry. But whenever you relocate the grace of God for your life, things accelerate. Bondage dies. Victory rises. The glory of God manifests. Every time you find the river of God, which flows for you, uniquely for you, and no one can steal your river, no one can borrow your river, it is your river to find and to flow in. Hey, come on. Have I defined the grace of God properly for you? 
The grace of God is God's mercy and help and enablement. And it's God's prophetic will declared over your life. It's God's pathway to lead you into all that he has ordained for you. That is the grace of God. Jesus, help me to preach. I need to stop somewhere. But I want you to understand that there is a grace to help you on your journey. And I'm running out of battery power here, so I'm going to try and wrap this up. Let me, let me charge up. Because <laughs> I think I've been preaching too long. I should be finishing soon. First understand, it is grace. Know how to activate the grace of God. Know how to find it. Do you know how to find the grace of God? I'll give you a few points. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Gratefulness. Wake up feeling like, oh my God, I'm happy. I, I am thankful. <laughs> because you see, you need to be thankful. And the Bible says, give thanks to the Lord always. He's talking about finding your grace daily. When you are miserable and angry, you have stepped out of your grace. When there's no joy in your life, you've lost your grace. You've stepped out of the river, my friend. Worship God. Be thankful. Be expectant. Be generous. I'm giving you the principles of grace. Be generous. Be thankful. Be loving and forgiving. Be humble. Be humble. God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, the arrogant. Hmm? No, who, who, you can't talk to me like that. Who? who you? Who, you can't. Forget that stuff, my friends. We have no time to fight with people. Let them treat you as they want. They want. Jesus was full of grace. That's why he could take crucifixion with no arguments. People were constantly quarreling at work with in-laws, with whoever. As law on grace. You're running on law on grace, my friend. Why are you looking for rights? Jesus had none. Hmm? Be thankful. Be worshipful. Be expectant. Be forgiving and generous. Oh my God. I am learning to let people walk away from me and walk out of my life. Yeah, they can never take my river with them. You can't take my river. It's my river to look after. Hmm? Jesus. Okay. Uh, I've said that. Walk in the grace of God. Number two, principle of first response. You see, God wants us to learn the principle of how you respond to events and circumstances. How do you respond? These are the things which pull us out of the grace of God. You are busy having a Thanksgiving day. You are busy having a humble day. <laughs> And somebody comes to stir you out and you respond. And our response, get us out of the grace of God. Hmm? And so it's always response. It's always response that gets you out of the grace of God. Yeah. And you suddenly go into panic and fear and doubt and self-hatred. And the Bible says, no trial has come your way except what is common to man. God is faithful. 
and will not allow you to be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation or the trial, will also make a way of escape. No trial has come your way except what is common to man. Now, some things happen to us and say, oh my God, it is me. Why me? Why me? Why am I? Whatever has happened to you has happened to someone before. And God is faithful and he has an escape for you. But you need to learn how to respond within that grace that we talked about. Respond. The law of first response is an important one. For us to walk in a rhythm of miracles, we need to refuse to respond wrongly. Uh, recently, I got a call from one of the saints after we had talked about responding, um, never responding in the flesh. Never responding in the flesh as much as God enables us. Someone comes to stir up trouble to, for you, refusing. Of course, you may panic for a moment, but remember to recover. Recover and respond uh, from the place of God's grace. And so, uh, after we had talked about the first heaven and second heaven and third heaven, that truth that we told, at her at her, at her workplace, all hell broke loose, and her boss and her workmate were on her case, and accusing her falsely and upsetting her beyond measure. Hmm? Before long, she had lost touch with the new creation in her. She was crying. She was confused. She felt set upon. She felt like every demon in hell was on her case. (laughs) You know? Response, my friends. Can we choose to respond as people whose lives are programmed by God? No temptation, no trial has come to you except what is common to man. God is faithful and will not allow you to be challenged beyond your strength. But with every temptation, you make a way of escape. You've got to learn to respond with the grace of God. Yeah, response. The more we learn to immediately neutralize. Jesus said, somebody takes your shirt, give him your jacket. <laughs> hmm? Someone smites you on the cheek, right, left cheek, let him take the, the other as well. You're refusing to go there. You're refusing to answer flesh with flesh. You're refusing to answer darkness with darkness. You're refusing because you're a steward of the miraculous. And I've seen uh, and told you stories of, of how God has turned situations around because I refuse to respond in the flesh. Bad news, the Bible says, a righteous man shall not be afraid of bad news. His heart is steadfast. Trusting in the Lord. Mm. So when they come and tell Jesus, Lazarus has died, he doesn't say, eh, banange, banange. <laughs> and he, of course, I mean, there's an ordination there. And he already knew. He said, there's something going on. Lazarus is calling me. I'm not going to go there. He, he was responding from the new creation. Sometimes my friends, our reactions slam the door of the miraculous because we react in the flesh And I'm telling you, I'm going to give you a golden statement. Once you have reacted in the flesh, it is tough to bounce back. It can take you two days, three days to gather the pieces. (laughs) May God train us to respond. The first response, Jesus said, this sickness shall not be unto death. This sickness is not unto death. God will make a way for me out of this. God is at work in my life still. 
that may be a setback, but God is giving me something better. Hmm? Oh, my days, the testimonies you hear. The testimonies you hear. Uh, remember somebody recently was telling me how uh, they, they lost their job and, and just decided to say, God has taken that job to give me something better. And they got three jobs instead. Three. And now it was up to them to choose which one. Because of the law of first response, how they responded. Yeah, that is principle number two. Uh, how, what's the time? 2.29. Okay, I want to close soon. Because these things are not too deep. Number three. I'm talking about miracles. How miracles happen in areas of our lives. When news breaks and now suddenly you need a miracle. You are okay. Learn to say something positive. Something ultimate. What is God going to do out of this? Find that sentence. It is there in the Christ-likeness in you. It's a find that sentence and speak it. Number three, the principle of witness. The principle of witness. The principle of witness. The Bible says we are two or three. Agree on something. Uh, you need to find your witnesses. There are people that God ordains for your life who are going to resonate going to resonate. There are people you surround yourself who are just negative. Hmm? I just never affirm what God is saying to you. Take a moment this February. Identify around yourself who are your two or three. Who are your two? Who is the one or two people who resonate your drum? When you begin to play your drum of faith, they also get theirs out and they agree. They synchronize. Not in mere human believism, or human ag agreeism. I'm talking about people who pick up the rhythm of your soul. And they have discerned you not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. They know who you are. Hmm? So when Jesus, uh, when, when, when Mary visits uh, Elizabeth, hmm? and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and there's a greeting exchanged. Boom! John jumps. <laughs> John jumps in Mary's womb, in Elizabeth's womb, when Mary greets her. Huh? Who are the people who make your baby jump? Find them. Find people who speak your spiritual vocabulary. People who resonate with you. Learn to find quality time and, and exchange. Schedule. You see, we sit around, oh, I'm believing for a miracle. And you're on your own, your own. Find your two or three. Who are the people God has brought into your sphere? Can you go to them and begin to sing your song and find out what happens? Does a baby jump? When you exchange verses, what are they saying? And I've learned, my friends, that it is never everybody who sees what you are seeing. Even in the same prayer group, even on the same team, you know. And I'm found, I realize why Jesus, when he came to raising the, a dead person, would say to everybody, <laughs> please step out a moment because here I cannot, I cannot allow a mixture of opinions. I need people who are going to read what I'm reading, who are going to agree with what I'm seeing. No, so Jesus is planning to go to Jerusalem and Peter is saying, you are going nowhere. Jesus says, get thou behind me, Satan. I've got something I've got to do here. And I cannot entertain an obstacle. And he calls him Satan because the word Satan means obstacle. 
Are you, are you hearing me, friends? I'm not talking about us meeting and just stamping each other's agenda because that can be idolatrous. I'm talking about beginning to build a culture of miracle stewards, a culture of people who, who know you and continue to know you and you begin to build a spiritual partnership in which you discern each other's journey and you understand each other's river so that when I need the support of witness that I need, I come to you and you will bear witness with me. Where two or three agree, it shall be done for them. That's Matthew 18, 19 to 20. Two or three. Uh, 1 Corinthians, I think, is what I gave Pastor, Pastor Grace to, to display. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Let two or three prophets speak. <laughs> and let the others judge. You know, Paul is trying to, to speak something. Here. When you have too many people, you end up with a miasma of ideas. And everybody is pointing a different direction. Before you know what, nothing can happen because you have all confused each other. Hmm? So let's just speak. Let three speak and let the others judge. The principle of witness. Witness, witness. And finally, the principle of sustained presence. Sustained presence. Uh, in this environment of the miraculous, we need to learn how to carry the presence of God in sustained ways. In sustained ways. This is visiting the presence of God. Two minutes, I'm out. Three minutes. Uh, there's these extended times where you allow the presence of God in you to activate. Christ is in you. But like you stir up your soup so that the goodness may rise up. Many times we need to stir up the gift that he is in us. Through extended worship, through extended times in the word, through uh, uh, times that uh, Jesus prayed all night and he stirred up something. And then he was able to find these 12. Some of us are trying to, to stir up things that need an hour. We think 15 minutes would. But sometimes you need to learn how to create Jesus moments. Mm? I found for me, when I sit with like-minded people, when I sit with my three, and one of my three um, person I love exchanging those scriptures with is Pastor Andrew Tresage. I love that man's spirit. When I sit with him and I share scripture, he sends scripture back. Hmm? Oh, we used to have this amazing time of, of um, um, you know, exchange. Um, Apostolic people, our apostolic people, the pastoral team at LCF, sit with them, throw a truth down. Those men who <laughs> will we'll, we'll send it back to you, good measure, press down together, shake and together, and you feel your building. And I build my momentum until I come to a fever pitch, and then I make a decision. Once I feel the glory of God in the room over a verse, then I make a decision according to what I sense in the room. And I make a decree. <laughs> it is it's a principle of sustained presence where you, you activate the Christ mind in you with scriptures and verses and worship and presence and anointing. Mm -hmm. Extended prayer, extended prayer, extended prayer. So uh, do you have any time for extended prayer? Please make some opportunities. Find a group that can pray extended, extended 
and you come with your problems, put it on the table and enter extended prayer and keep checking it, keep checking it until you find the mind of Christ through extended presence, sustained presence. Boom, Jesus prays all night, comes back, bam, 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 chooses 12 people. Then he goes into the valley, as the Bible shows, he stands and there are people from four cities, Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre, and Sidon. Everybody is looking for him and they are sick. And the Bible says he healed them all. <laughs> and the Bible says people were pushing forward to touch him because the power of God was flowing through him. Because he had been in a sustained place of God's presence. We need to create those sustained times of God's presence this February. I'm looking forward to such times. Amen and amen. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. We can, we can throw so many other principles down. What have I said? There's something mysterious about the miraculous. But you see, the mystery is, is, is the beauty. Because there's no two miracles that are the same. For one, Jesus will spit on the ground. For another, he will say, go, go out of the city. He will pull one blind man out of the city. He will send another to the pool of Siloam. Hmm? One miracle, he will speak to the, to the water, to the wind, to peace be still. The other, he will come walking on it. It's mysterious. So how is God going to perform the miracles he's going to perform for you this year, this month? Let's find out. How? Principles I've told you. Number one, let's us be sure that there are good works ordained for us before the world was made. We are not the ones going to start them. They are already started by God. Yeah. They are already started by God. Number two, find your witnesses. Create these triangulations with key people around yourself. People you can... Call and say, you know what? I was reading this verse. Share it with them. They come back at you. Share it with them and build momentum. Hmm? Build momentum with them. Find those moments where you speak inspired statements that are coming out of a sustained place of God's presence. Father, we thank you for signs and wonders and miracles this month. We are not going to be lazy with your grace. We know you have provided fully for every transformation. We ask, Lord, that you make us activators of the supernatural, walkers in the supernatural. Help us to carry a sense of gratitude and joy and expectation. It is not a crime that we are God's people and that we are trusting God for miraculous things to happen. We were invited by you, Jesus. You said, ask of me and I'll grant you your prayers that your joy may be complete. Yeah, it is you who started this, Jesus. And we are taking you on. And so I'm praying for my brothers and sisters right now. Debt consolation. Invasion of the supernatural. May God Bring to you what was ordained to you for you from the beginning of the earth. Lord, we are asking for a supernatural visitation of God where the body of Christ shall rise out of we don't understand to we know our God and we know his ways and we know how to incubate the miracles of God. Make us forerunners in this move of God 
which we know is breaking out, stretch forth your hand as the church of Acts prayed and grant that miracles, signs, and wonders are worked in the name of your son, Jesus. Let our sick be healed. Let cancer be destroyed. Let arthritis be uprooted. Let barren wombs conceive. Let supernatural visitation happen. Let people find Christ. Let stubborn spouses be saved. Let churches begin to break out of rebellion. Father, bring back the lost stubborn sheep of the house. People who spit on your face and dishonor your name. Stretch out your hand in spiritual visitation, Lord, and activate a revival, a restoration of the lost. Do incredible, astonishing miracles. We claim that heritage which said that we will do greater works than you. And we want to see those greater works now, 2022, now in February. We pray and believe in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.